Hey everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Sunday Soother Advice Cast. This is a podcast that comes out every Sunday where I answer your questions about how to live your life with more meaning, intention, and spirit, and do it in practical, accessible ways. I am Catherine Andrews, your host. I'm a writer and editor living in Washington, D.C., and I'm the author of the Sunday Soother Newsletter, which is a weekly newsletter about practical ways to live more spiritually and meaningfully and sort of reflect more and live more intentionally overall. So today I am taking a question from a reader on something that I think many of us can relate to, and that is imposter syndrome. Hmm, fun. So first, though, if you want your question to be answered on this advice cast, head to tinyletter.com slash candrews to find the link where you can submit it anonymously. You can also email me at kathdandrews at gmail.com or submit a voicemail to 202-525-6558. Or if you happen to be watching this on Facebook in the Sunday Soother Facebook group, you can just drop your thoughts and questions in the comments or post them on the page. Last link call out. All of these links are also found on my Instagram page and I am Katherine Andrews on Instagram. Okay, enough of the boring stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. Uh, the question today is from our reader and listener who writes the following. I have been out of work for over a year since I had my first baby. I finally got a new job and will soon be returning to the workplace with some new responsibilities and roles that may be a stretch for me. I've always been successful in the workplace, been appreciated by my colleagues and felt confident, but I am struggling with major imposter syndrome and feelings of self-doubt at the prospect of going back now. I am worried that I've lost my work ethic, that I won't be up to the new challenges, that I'm getting hired for a role beyond my capacity, that they'll quickly figure out that I'm in over my head and don't know what I'm doing. I also worry about balancing work with a small child, but less so than I worry about being able to just succeed in the workplace again. I've never really suffered from lack of self-confidence, so this transition is really testing me. I have no tools for it. I know objectively none of these fears and doubts are true, but they feel paralyzing. What can I do to counter it, counteract the down-talking in my mind? Great question, and congratulations on the new job and the baby. Those are both very exciting. Um, so one thing I wanted to think that's worth mentioning in regards to imposter syndrome, and actually most of the questions that I deal here with on this podcast... Most of you writing in with questions understand logically that you quote unquote shouldn't be feeling the things that you're dealing with or that you're talking about. Like this reader and listener mentions, she logically understands that she's capable. And she also says, I know objectively none of these fears and doubts are true. And that is a tricky thing about sticky issues that we find ourselves in when we're struggling with a complicated emotion. Logically, we can know this and that and the other fact but information and data and logic don't seem to make any difference, right? And the fact is, I really think logic can get us only so far. And in some cases, it can't really get us that far at all. So the motions that a lot of you are writing in about and a lot of what I talk about here are often um, residing deep inside of our bodies and our psyches and our minds or whatever you want to call it. I work a lot with women with self-esteem issues. And honestly, I swear to God, they could become like Michelle Obama's best friend. They could win a Pulitzer. They could be on the cover of six magazines and they would still be feeling inadequate. Like that imposter syndrome or self-worth issues would not go away for them despite all of these external validations. 
you know, and the fact is imposter syndrome or self-worth issues are sort of deep ancient stories that we've learned somewhere along the way. And we've felt them very deeply in our bodies. And it's a story we've lived in some ways our whole life. And so logic does not work in those cases, right? Um, We have to work to uncover and then name sort of the secret story our brain and body might be telling us in these cases. So in relation to your question, reader, I'm going to look at the story of your newfound imposter syndrome. And I am particularly interested in the fact that this feeling is new to you and you hadn't felt it in previous jobs. To me, that says a lot here. And you know, I often talk about identity on this podcast and the different ways we create and define it for ourselves. And the fact is you recently had an identity shifting paradigm in your life. You became a mom a year ago. That is massive. It changes everything you know about yourself, your emotions, your story, your body, so many different ways of sort of shifting an entire person. So I think it's possible what maybe happened is that you're about to enter the workforce as essentially possibly a completely different person than you were the last time you were in the workforce. And this split or this cognitive dissonance may be what's at the root of your anxiety here. Because that's honestly what imposter syndrome really is. It's just work performance anxiety. It's anxiety if others are judging our our capabilities. It's anxiety and fear of our own failure. And I really, I really think being a different person here is great. Like, and I don't think you're like a completely different person. It's like black and white. You've like retained none of your own, your old qualities or, or who you were before you became a mom. But there's been a, there's been a layering effect of this new identity, right? You're a mom. You had a big experience in your, in your body, in your heart, in your spirit. Uh, it's possible you may at some deep level actually not necessarily care about work in the same way you did beforehand. Not that you're not good at your job. And not that you're not capable of doing like extremely good work. You just may have had some shift of perspective and that could be freaking you out. Or you could be telling yourself that at some deep level, since you are a different person, you're not capable in the same ways you were before. You could be afraid about that. So that's just like a hypothesis. It may be completely wrong. Um, But regardless, no matter the reason you're feeling this imposter syndrome, we have to look at the fact that this is not something that you or I can logic our ways out of. Because I also, you know, feel imposter syndrome in many areas of my life. So I've done a lot of work on this and trying to understand why do I feel that way. So I think it's important to turn to work in two areas where I really love to go to when logic is no longer serving us, which is naming the unconscious or what's really going on and reclaiming power by making the unconscious conscious and working to develop a felt sense in our bodies and minds of the new feeling that we're trying to go for, right? So we're doing a couple of things here. We're digging in our minds a little bit, and we're also trying to bring in a new sense of feeling and being into our bodies, so in the naming front, you've done some good work here already, and you, and you write the following fears out explicitly. You write, I am worried that I've lost my work ethic, that I won't be up to the new challenges, that I'm getting hired for a role beyond my capacity, that they'll quickly figure out that I'm in over my head and don't know what I'm doing. So what I'm going to recommend here is expanding this list and naming as specifically as you can um, some more fears that are very concrete and related to your return to work. And write them all down in a journal or on a piece of paper with lots of space in between them. Then what I want you to do next, after each one, is write the phrase, and if this is true, and write whatever comes to mind. Like you may write, as you say, 
I'm afraid I was hired beyond my capacity. And then you would write, and if this is true, and, and I don't know what you'll put, but maybe you'll put out something like, I'll spend an extra night a week getting up to speed, or I'll identify somebody I can ask for help, or I'll, somebody at work will step in and help show me the way. You know, just write out the first few possibilities that come to mind. Now, as you do this, do, do note if all of the and if this is trues that you're writing out are negative. Like you may say for every single one of these, and if this is true, I will be fucking fired and my life will be ruined. <laughs> so like, you know, that's not particularly useful. You, you, I understand letting yourself go there a little bit, but let's work in the realm of what you truly sense about yourself and your capabilities and what you really think might be true and the practical ways that you probably are going to be able to figure these things out. And so, by the way, I want to pause here and say this to all of the listeners out there. If you've listened at all, you know that almost every episode I recommend journaling or reflecting or writing by hand as a path forward to solve and name the problems you guys are writing in with. And I have to encourage you all to actually do the writing by hand. It's actually, this is like not going to work if you intellectually engage with some of the writing exercises that I put forth and you're just sort of thinking about them and tossing them around in your mind. You To make these work, you actually have to write them out by hand. You're just going to trust me on this one. It does something like, I don't know what the scientific terms are, but it's like creating new like pathways in your brain. It's really powerful. Like you are bringing an unconscious thing that is just floating around up here in the head and you are putting it in a physical form and you need to do that by writing by hand. So listener, please make sure you are actually writing this stuff down by hand and not just thinking about it and not just sort of intellectually engaging with these suggestions. So just wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, But after this writing exercise, I do feel confident that you'll feel a little bit more in control of the situation. But it may be the case that one of your fears is really sticking with you in a more serious way. You know, and if so, do some extra journaling about that fear and write out a practical plan about how you would in real life handle it just to prepare yourself a little bit and feel a little bit more soothed. And we're going to go into one of my favorite areas, getting a little bit witchy around this. Um, You could sit down one night after the baby is in bed, you know, light some candles, get some alone time, write all of these fears again down on scraps of paper and burn them (laughs) one by one or throw them one by one into a fire after reading them out loud. I love rituals like this. And I don't think they're like, quote unquote, magic, right? Like, I do think there is a magic to it. But the only magic that is involved is in naming something and physically releasing it into the world. And magic is really bringing forth an intention of ours that lives in our heart and mind into the physical world. It's really powerful. It's a naming and reclaiming of a fear that has consumed you. So you could, for example, write down on a scrap of paper, I'm worried I lost my work ethic. And then say, this fear no longer lives in me and I release it. And then burn that mofo. I genuinely think actually it would be a lot of fun and I think it would be powerful. So consider that, you know, it may not be up your alley, but burning things is fun. So give it a shot. Okay, so this is the work that you can do now um, if you haven't started this new job yet um, or it's work you can do before you start the job, sort of like the pre-job phase or, you know, if you're already in the job, of course, you can still do this. If you've started your job or for when you start the job, I do have a few more exercises that could be useful. Um, First off, just name your first few months back in your job as your re-entry period. 
you know, allow yourself some rockiness or doubt or whatever feelings are there, but just acknowledge it. Know it's temporary. Don't expect everything to be wildly and um, amazing and smooth right out of the gate. I mean, it may be, and that's great, but um, what I'm really saying is allow yourself and give yourself permission for some space for a true adjustment period that you are also aware is not going to last forever, right? Next, each time you sit down in your office or at your desk, I want you to say a mantra. Now, just like go with me on this. Say it out loud if you can, if you have your own office or in your head if you cannot. Just sit up straight and put your hands on your legs and feel your feet on the floor and say, I belong here. I am safe here. This is a powerful way of grounding you in that physical space of your workplace and sort of working to convince your mind and body that you do belong there, that you're secure there, that you belong at your job and in that actual physical office space. Lastly, I would like you to, when you start your job, write at the end a small list, uh, every day write this list, one thing you learned, one thing you did well, and one thing you hope to improve the next day. So this is a little list writing exercise is going to serve a dual purpose. It's going to show you that you are both succeeding and learning, and it will give you a plan for any areas where you're feeling a little shaky. So there you are. I solved imposter syndrome for everybody. It's all over now, guys. You can just shut it down. I'm just kidding. But I do think for the many of us out there who suffer from imposter syndrome, I hope you will try some of these exercises. I think they're relevant at any stage of your job. Say you're in your you've been in your job for years and you still feel this imposter syndrome. You're starting a new job. You know, you're feeling imposter syndrome about something other than work. You know, maybe it is a club you're in or an activity that you're participating in. Name those fears and then write. And if this is true, whatever, come up with a plan, right? By naming these things and putting them down on paper and, you know, eventually having like a witch fire burning ceremony around them, you know, call me if you're doing that because I would like to join. You're, you're going to release them from your body and your mind. And this is what I talk about when logic has not served us long enough. You have to do these acts that are very physical and involved and involve writing and, and a release to actually lift these feelings a little bit out of your body and get them out in the world and away from you. So I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. It's an opportunity to really become a little bit more powerful in your space and offload those things that are driving your imposter syndrome and move forward knowing that you are the confident and capable person that you are and you're not going to be dragged down by these illogical fears. So I hope you'll consider doing some of those exercises there. Um, I think they will help your body and spirit and heart and help you sort of start to shift patterns and release the fear that you might be feeling. I wish you luck going into your new job. I think you're going to be great no matter what. And I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. And I wish everybody out there luck who's dealing with imposter syndrome. I know it is a critical thing that affects a lot of us, um, especially young women in the workplace. Just know it's not logical and you can't logic your way out of it. So try some reflection and exercises around naming your fears. Okay, I am going to close out here with my thoughts and happiness segment. So for my thoughts segment, I am reading this book. Ooh, can you see it? It is called 
focusing, this is horrible, sorry. It's called Focusing in Clinical Practice. Um, and this book talks a lot about the method of something that is called focusing, which is a somatic exercise. You're going to hear in the next year or two the word somatic thrown around a lot more. It's kind of a buzzword right now. It's addressing emotions and feelings um, in actual physical and, and bodily movements. Like there are things out there called trauma release exercises or um, grounding exercises, different exercises you can do in your body that are addressing some emotional issues that you might be dealing with. Um, and I'm just going to read a little bit from it. It says, focusing is based on a radically different understanding of the body as inherently meaningful and implicitly wise. Mere intellectualizing or talking about problems can keep clients stuck in their old patterns of behavior. Focusing introduces the concept of the felt sense, a moment and process where there is a potential to experience more than is already known and to break through old, frozen, stuck patterns. So I'm really enjoying this book. I'm reading it and putting some screenshots from it on my Instagram at Katherine Andrews, and I pin them to my book club highlight. So if you ever want to check out the books I'm reading and the highlights I've expert excerpted, you can find them there. And I also wanted to read one more excerpt about being friendly to... Um, negative feelings that come up for us. This is hard for people who don't have a lot of self-esteem or have a strong inner critic. The concept of being friendly to thoughts that arise in ourselves or even, you know, just ourselves is pretty foreign. And there is uh, one practitioner called Jean Gendlin, who the author is writing about as she is understanding and learning about focusing. And she writes, Gendlin would often tell people that focusing requires a friendly attitude toward what comes up, you know, and that may be a, a, a feeling of shame, a negative feeling, a harsh inner voice, right? Typically, someone in the group would ask him, but what if I can't be friendly to it? Gendlin would rotate his finger towards himself in kind of a returning to an earlier place gesture and say, with a grin, then see if you can be friendly to that, the author continues, I was struck by this notion that not being friendly was a that, which could in turn be attended to. As I began to teach focusing and work with clients, I became aware of how often people had difficulty allowing a felt sense to come because they were in a reactive state in relation to their own experiencing, afraid of it, impatient with it, trying to figure it out, trying not to feel it. I realized that if I could help my clients experience these reactive states as a that inside of them instead of as an I, they were more likely to access a state from which change could happen. So I just read this to encourage you, one, to research felt sense a little bit and think about how your body plays into whatever emotions you may be feeling. And also when um, shame comes up, a harsh inner voice, you're down on yourself, you're beating yourself up, see if you can be friendly to that to that negativity that's coming up. You could just say something like, hey, negativity, old friend, nice to see you here. Gonna observe and, you know, you can go away for now. I know you're gonna come back, but let's see you later. So give that a shot in terms of feeling sensations in your body, you know, particularly when something like shame, fear, or anxiety comes up. Try a friendly approach to it. So in terms of happiness, I wanna say what's making me happy this week is my cookbook club. 
I have been in a cookbook club for three years with a bunch of friends and about every six to eight weeks we pick a new cookbook and everybody picks a recipe like somebody picks a main, somebody picks a side, somebody picks a dessert and we get together and just have a meal on a Sunday night and we've been going for over three years right now and it's just blowing my mind and this very weekend um, on Sunday when this podcast comes out we will be doing our belated Valentine's Day cookbook club dinner and we are cooking from Ina Garten who is a perennial fave. I am cooking a uh, carrot cake with ginger mascarpone frosting so it better be good. Ina I'm watching out for you. But the cookbook club really just makes me happy because you know it's a regular you know I don't see all of my cookbook club friends that regularly other than at cookbook club but we have created a very special space where we put a lot of thought reflection um and just a lot of intention into the recipes that we create and the time that we have together. So I definitely recommend creating a cookbook club or joining one if you haven't been in one. There's a great article on Serious Eats where you can Google how to start a cookbook club. And I hope you have fun with that. So those are my thoughts and happiness for the week. And that's it for today's Sunday Soother Advice Cast. So if you have questions or advice, um, ideas for topics that I discussed on today's show sort of you want to talk about your experience with imposter syndrome and anything that's helped you, email me at kathdandrews at gmail.com, leave a voicemail at 202-525-6558, or head to tinyletter.com slash candrews, and you can submit your thoughts or questions anonymously at that link. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to living the week ahead with lots of thoughtfulness, connection, and meaning. Have a good one, guys.